Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Brian Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Welcome into the 135th edition of the TFS Pod. We're back. It's August 14th. That means we're 12 days away from college football. NFL preseason week one is done. Baseball. Uh, we only got a couple months left, so that's good. We don't really care too much about baseball, and the Tigers suck, so it makes it even worse. Um, but lots to discuss here, as always. Some some news um, happened in between last week and this week that's very notable that we will touch on, and we will get to it as we always do with the podium, and I'll go first, keep it brief. I just heard people talking about this earlier and seeing articles all over CBS and whatever. NFL preseason. Does it matter or does it? Does it not? No, it does not matter. These people are talking about, I keep seeing Bears, there's these articles about the Bears. Oh, the Bears' offense looked potent. The Bears looked like this. This team looked like that. It's preseason. There's not starters playing on most teams. These guys are trying to fight for all sorts of glorified practice. And these people are making big deals that who... I get that these some guys are fighting for roster spots, you know, up, down, but they're like, oh, this starting quarterback did really bad. C.J. Stroud was really bad. Anthony Richardson was really good. doesn't matter until September whatever, 7th, when the Lions play the Chiefs. That's when it actually matters. These preseason games are all, all, all a joke. The Lions went 4-0 in 2000-whatever, 7 or 8, whatever year they went 0-16. 4-0 in preseason, 0-16 in the regular season. It does not matter. You can win them, you can lose them. It's about getting experience and practice against other guys other than your own guys. It does not matter. These people making a big deal of it need to shove it because it's not legit. Talking to you Bears fans, you're annoying. Well, I was a Bears fan when I grew up. Oh. That's because I. That's what I got to see on TV back then. Having a conversation about that today uh, with my boss, who's you know a couple years older than me, so roughly our age, and we talked about how simple things were back then, including the fact that you got what you got on TV and you didn't throw a fit. All right, so if you listen to the podcast regularly, which I know we've got at least a handful of you, you know that I basically really have, eh, well, let's say four villains that almost every news cycle, one of them comes up. LeBron James, who I can't stand. Leah whatever his real name is, Thomas, who's a joke and has all this transgender people up in arms that he should be able to compete with females. Megan Raponi, who's very similar in her anti-American sentiment. And my last one, and again, if you know the podcast, I'll give you two seconds to answer the question and tell me if you got it right. Phil Mickelson. No question. I've said it here a million times. Ryan has said it. Phil used to be one of my favorite players. He was easy to root for. He was kind of the lovable loser, always the runner-up at the U.S. Open, the swashbuckler, taking chances that he never should, you know, missing two-foot putts like an amateur would when there's, you know, $100 on the line. 
But as you know, he's crossed the line with the whole live thing and can't keep his mouth shut and whatever. And then last week, the allegations come out. Not even allegations. I guess they've been long allegations. Known that he's a gambler. A lot of speculation. That's why he took the live money to cover some of his debts. What was his name, Ryan? Fig Jam. Fig Fig Jam. Fig Jam. F, I'm good, just ask me. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, that was his online poker name. The guy's a pretentious prick. And last week, lo and behold, I mean, I only hear this through the interwebs because I'm not on much social media and uh, I don't follow the live tour at all. But I heard that he had a really good round on Saturday and was in contention to play in the final group. So I looked it up. Turns out in typical Phil fashion, he stepped on his proverbial pee-pee and had a quintuple bogey eight on a par three that ended his round. And I would just say, just desserts, Phil. Your game might be a little bit better. You had a good run at the Masters, and you know, you, you'll you still have these blips in your 50s. But your game and your mouth need to just go away. You and Megan and Leah and, and uh, LeBron can go duke it out on an island in survival of the fittest. Uh, and I would love to see who wins. Maybe you with your calf raises. Maybe Megan with her purple hair and her whatever demonic ways. Maybe LeBron's going to bitch you to death. Maybe Leah will just dick slap you all across the face until you die. I don't know, but all four of you can just go somewhere and go away. My intent is hopefully going forward, unless I'm really strapped for a podium, to never talk about any of you four again. That's not going to happen. They always do some stupid all right, tee up of the week. Uh, this came out, I, I think it was early this morning. Um, so there's this guy, um, plays for the, for the Tampa Bay Rays. His name's Wander Franco. Um, young guy's 22 years old. Wander. Um, he, so he's basically. I wonder why he's put, effed up. Put on, um, on this list. What, what's this list called? These, well, it's going to be the sex offender list eventually. But um, he's put on. Um, where they place them on? What is this thing called? Uh, restricted list for some social media stuff going on. They're investigating him. He suspended at least six games. It has to do with him having um, an alleged relationship with a 14-year-old girl. What a freak! I mean, this dude's 22 years old. He's a really good baseball player, shortstop. He's an all-star this year. And you do this? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, these people are so messed up. It's the Epstein effect. Oh, just that's just disgusting. It's the liberal media effect. I hope he you gets get away I with. I hope his... he. I hope he gets cast. Robert Kraft, he did it. Yeah. Remember yeah, after yeah. the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, nothing ever happened with that. These people are freaks. Um, I don't know. We could have gone another way. too. we'll talk about that later here in the in the in our four downs. But um, so without further ado, four downs previews. Um, we only got two more left. Yeah, two more, and then I figure the week after next you can do a Lions preview, and yeah, then that, that brings us into our regular. college football week one. Yep, and speaking of Big Ten and our previews, now a word from our Big Ten segment sponsor, Norris Sports Group. NSG is a boutique agency of experts with 30-plus years' experience in sports sponsorship, endorsement strategy, program assessment, contract negotiations, event activation, and post-campaign measurement. Visit NorrisSportsGroup.com to learn more today. All right. You want me to go first again? You go first. You get first. You're, <laughs> doing, right. the, you're doing the East. I'm doing the West. You you're remember, going alphabetical. You guys remember, I'm going alphabetical. By so height. one left, and then for the alphabetical, then I'll do Michigan State, Alaska. So I'll do a more in-depth dive on our boys in green down the road in EL. 
Um, and a bunch of questions, mailbag questions relatable then yep. from Mitch <clears> to <throat> go with that. Can't wait for that. Um, all right, the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers. We go to Piscataway, New Jersey. The Big Ten's worst team since 2014 when they joined. They're horrible. Four and eight last year. Overall, one and eight in the Big Ten. I don't even remember who they beat with their one ones. Right, Northwestern, Indiana, it was in Nebraska. Indiana. It was what? Oh, they were one and eight. You're right. You're right. You're right. They Indiana. That's the Nebraska only twenty four seventeen. Nebraska. No, Nebraska beat them fourteen thirteen. Oh, they did. Oh, I don't remember that. So Greg Giano's back. This is going to be his fifth season um, back part, from his thing. But yeah, he was there for a while and he was very successful. When there was that's Big East for a minute when they were mm-hmm. when they were good. Then he left and they went to the AAC for a couple of years in the Big Ten. So um, he's twelve and twenty two there. Um, not great. They're recruiting also not great. Eleventh out of fourteen in the Big Ten. They need some help. They did lose some key guys. Um, their pe- their best player probably last year, Adam Corsack. He was the Ray guy, you know, punter of the year. Shouldn't have been. It should have been Behringer, but I rest my case. But this guy was the punter of the year last year. He got drafted. Um, he's gone. So that's probably their best player overall. Cruckshank, Aaron Cruckshank. He was there for a little bit. He was at Wisconsin first, then transferred over. Punt returner slash kick returner slash receiver. Probably their most electric player. He's gone. Sean Ryan, one of their other best receivers, gone. Avery Young, their best defensive back manager, gone. Willie Tyler was going to be their bookend left tackle. Transferred to Louisville. So those are some key losses there. I think Vedral's gone, too. He's their quarterback off and on since, like, 2019. He was never very good, but, you know, he was there, and he had experience. Um, Key returnees, you know, they had Wimsat back. If you remember, he came in. He was supposed to be in the class of 2022. He enrolled like week one of 2021 early, redshirted, kind of learned the roles, played in four games, and then took over as basically the full-time starter a few games of last year. was not very good, um, pretty even with his touchdown to interceptions. Um, he has a little bit of mobility to his game, but I, he didn't really show it off last year probably because he maybe was hurt. I don't know, but he's got to improve if they want to get off this 4-8, and eight, you know, five and seven at a maximum if they want to make a bowl game. Because, well, they did actually make a bowl game in 2021 by accident because, you know, not enough teams for 500 bowl games when, with this crap, five and seven got into a bowl game. I think they got obliterated, if I remember. So they went five and eight. They got there, yeah, because of COVID. Um, crazy. Their best running back from last year, Samuel Brown, he's back. He was pretty good. I think he was a freshman last year. Pretty good player. Um, now, I'll tell you this, if their their offense is bad, and then also Kyle Monangai, he was uh, one of their other decent running backs back. Johnny Langan, you remember him? He's like number mm-hmm. 21. He played quarterback and tight end. He's a big body, but he's not great. It's kind of like a, what Tim Tebow could have been in the NFL if they had started him on that program early enough on the tight end train. But their defense could be decent. Um, they return a decent amount of guys. Tyreen Powell. Deion Jennings, uh, their two best linebackers, probably their two best defenders, led them in tackles last year. They're back. Um, Aaron Lewis, their best defensive end, he's back. And then Max Melton is corner. Pretty good player. He's been a starter there for a couple years. Um, so they have some good good defensive guys. They didn't bring in a ton of guys in the portal, and they really didn't have any huge recruits to write home about. Their two best um, and probably most um, likely to succeed as transfers is Michael Dixon. He's a safety from Minnesota, played a little bit for them. Um, and then Nasheem Brantley, he's a receiver, transfer from Western Illinois, tore it up in 1AA. Um, so we'll see if he can do that 
because Rutgers needs a go-to target um, bad. Um, some miscellaneous stuff. So lots of new offensive coaches. They bring Kirk, I don't even know how to say his name, Sierra, Kar, Karikoka or whatever. He was at Minnesota in 2019. Then he took the job at Penn State. They fired him. He went back to Minnesota, and now he's at Rutgers. So he's been at three at four different jobs technically in the last four years. Um, crazy. And he had been at Rutgers um, a long time ago as well. Um, they only averaged 13 points per game last season, folks, on offense. That is dreadful. That makes Michigan State look like the freaking Kansas City Chiefs, and that's not saying a whole lot. Um, the defense has depth, like I was saying before, um, so they have a chance to be decent. That's probably going to be their what keeps them in, in games is their defense because if uh, if their offense continues, I mean, maybe bump it up to 18 points again, they'll probably win one more game than they did last year, but I just I, I don't see it. I, I don't know. They're just not very good. I think Shiano's a pretty good coach. Is Rutgers is hard. You're in the hardest division in college football. It, it's Rutgers. You're you had like two good seasons ever. Um, haven't done anything since you were in the Big Ten. I think their best year in the Big Ten was their first year in the Big Ten. That's it. They haven't done anything. It's it's been pretty dreadful for the Scarlet Knights. Now let's take a look at that schedule. So. They start up the season. You talked about it probably, whatever, four weeks back. Northwestern's their first game Sunday of the first week, I think at noon. It's on CBS, I believe. Um, playing them at home, Northwestern, who's just abysmal. I think that the battle of the the, the dumpster fires, I think Rutgers comes out on top. They're well, one that, what, On CBS, what would that be equal to in the SEC? Vanderbilt and... Vanderbilt and... I don't even know. Missouri? I guess. Yeah, I don't know. That's a pretty bad game. Yeah. Way to, way to pick a good one right out of the gates, yeah. guys. That's that's just lovely. Um, then they play Temple the next week. A little uh, Eli Warner action coming yeah, up. Yeah, Elijah. Guy. I think he had a good season last year. Temple's not yeah, very good, though. Freshman. Get a win. Then Virginia Tech comes down. You know, normally, if you'd say this was 10 years ago, I would no doubt on say Virginia Tech's going to come here and stomp Rutgers. Virginia Tech is atrocious. They're probably the, one of the worst teams in the ACC. Rutgers is going to start off 3-0. They're going to feel really, really good about themselves going into Ann Arbor in late September and then fall flat on their face, lose to Michigan. Then they have Wagner the next week. You know, come back, you know, get a win. Um, I think of the Seahawks, maybe. I can't remember. 4-1. Um, and one. Then the fun begins. They go to Wisconsin. L. Michigan State home, L. At Indiana, L. Then they have a bye. Their last four games are at Ohio State, loss. At Iowa, loss. At Penn State, loss. Home against Maryland, loss. 3-0 out of conference, 1-8 in the Big Ten, 4-8 once again. Tied for sixth in the Big Ten East. No bowl game. No nothing. They're just collecting their TV money to pay for other stuff for the school. I got Rutgers actually worse. I've got them starting two and zero, then losing to Vatek, then at Michigan, who they actually do play they, tough, and I think they well. might play them. Okay. They have played them well. Uh, Wagner, that's a puppy, that's a gimme, and then I've got them losing out, and it's actually they play Ohio State, I believe, at, in Rutgers, but it doesn't matter. Ohio State's going to throttle them, so I've got them going two and one out of conference, and a big fat one and eight, tied with the uh, Hoosiers. In the Big Ten, for tied for sixth in the West, three and nine overall. The thing is, is Shiano is beloved. He earns money, you know, gets money from the boosters. 
nobody holds it against him because nobody expects Rutgers to be good. But now it's going to be getting in there. It's going to be sixth season, seventh season. They're going to start to go, eh, maybe we need to figure this out. So I guess they go 3-9, and nine and Shiano either feels the heat and bolts or he's on the hot seat for sure. Yeah. All right, your turn. All right, my West. turn. I am going um, worst to first. Um, Got to think back. So so far, I've done Northwestern, uh, Purdue, um, Nebraska, Illinois, and then Minnesota last week. And so this week, it is the Iowa Hawkeyes. You know who that leaves for next week. A five-year conference trend going back to 2018. Five and four was good for tied for second in the West. Tell you five and four doesn't tell you for second in the East ever. Twenty nineteen a step up, six and three and third in the West. So funny how it goes. A better record but worse than the league. Twenty twenty the throwaway season, six and two, second in the uh, West. Twenty twenty one banner season, seven and two, first place, tied for first place. Um, got the nod and went to Indy. And then twenty twenty two five and four again, tied for second last year. So um, always a winning program. Um, you know, under Ference and long stay coach there by far the most tenured now that um, Fitzgerald is out. So, you know, Iowa has a measure of success. Last year, I picked them 3-0 out of conference, 6-3 and Big Ten, 9-4, and um, and winning the West and going to the championship game. They went 2-1 and out of conference, 5-4 and in the conference, 7-5 and overall, tied for second, and instead of the Citrus, they went to the Music City Bowl. Um, not a horrible season, but, I mean... We're going to get into it in a minute. Is one of those that if they had just, I mean, an eyelash more of offense, if they had a pulse on offense, who knows what they would have been. All right, so looking looking at 2023, the operative words for Ryan, for, for Ryan, for Iowa going into this season, gambling and offense. No, not as in a swashbuckling gambling style of offense, though Iowa fans would swoon for that. Gambling as in how many players might the Hawkeyes lose to what appears to be a deepening gambling scandal in multiple sports at the University of Iowa, also Iowa State, something about the state of Iowa, I don't know what's going on. Survive that somewhat unscathed, then we need to talk about an offense that was, well, downright offensive to watch last season. Iowa averaged less than 20 points per game last year and was still a choke job against Nebraska from a return to Indy. In fact, take that gag away and hit the eight-win mark for the seventh time in eight seasons, the outlier being that COVID season that doesn't count. Um, Iowa brought in a bunch of key transfers, including a solid quarterback, but it did not fire its offensive coordinator. So will this year bring more of the same agony, or will Iowa rise up and take the easy-to-take West? Look at their offense. If it feels like all the eggs are in the Cade McNamara basket, well, you're not wrong. They are. And just last week, he suffered an injury in practice that had Iowa coaches, teammates, and fans clutching their chests. Sounds like it'll be okay, and Iowa better hope so. He is likely the difference between sure contender and middle of the road in the much lesser of the two divisions. So why the hype? Well, I mean, he led Michigan to the CFP two years ago and then was unceremoniously benched last season. In the name of Harbaugh not getting a transfer out of his quarterback, J.J. Well, McNamara led, uh, like I said, led them to the CFP. So getting benched and then deciding to leave, he brings a chip on his shoulder. And he's got some game, too. But what about the weapons in the Iowa offensive line? Can it collectively turn around an offense that was 129th in total yards per game, 
122nd in the nation in scoring and 128th in third down conversions and last in the Big Ten in rushing. And let me remind you, there's like 131 D1 teams. So that's historically bad. The ground game, as bad as it was last year, is in good hands with a one-two punch of Caleb Johnson and LaShawn Williams. Johnson had just under 800 yards behind what was an uncharacteristically poor front five. Shore up the offensive line, which returns all of starters and dipped into the portal, and Iowa should see a jolt in the arm when it comes to the ground game. Guard Connor Colby is the linchpin, and again, if the line can reestablish, watch out, because we know this, Iowa always has world-class tight ends as weapons. This year, there are in fact two. Luke Lachey, who caught four of Iowa's seven touchdowns last year, and former McNamara teammate Eric All. Find a game-breaker among the returners at wideout or the transfers, and the offense has to be better, right? Defense. The 2022 defense was really incredible, and in typical Iowa reload fashion, it likely will be again. There are some big missing pieces, like tackling machine linebackers Jack Campbell and Seth Benson, cornerback Riley Moss is gone, and backup turned 13th overall pick Luke Vaness. But don't expect much, if any, drop from that D-line that finished second in the nation in total and scoring defense, sixth in pass defense, 11th against the run, and 10th in third down stops. It all starts up front with tackles Logan Lee, Logan No D Lee from Rockford, yep. uh, and not from Rockford, but and Noah Shannon, who excel at gumming things up in the middle, Deontay Craig and his seven sacks from the outside return too. While I will miss a playmaker like Campbell for sure, UVA transfer Nick Jackson and senior linebacker Jay Higgins are poised to be next man up. Where Iowa has been sneaky great for a while now is the secondary. Despite key losses like Moss and stud safety Kavion Merriweather, the defensive backs will be among the best in the nation yet again. Sophomore Xavier Wankpa, a former five-star recruit, is expected to replace Merriweather at free safety and back as Cooper DeGene. Future NFL mainstay who had 75 tackles, five picks, and three of those returned for touchdowns last year. Special teams-wise, Iowa has arguably one of the best punter-kicker combinations in the country. In senior punter Tory Taylor and sophomore kicker Drew Stevens, Taylor averaged 45.4 yards on 82 punts last season. He was busy. He was pretty good inside the 20, if I remember correctly. Um, he was second-team All-American. If you remember in the Big Ten, had Bryce Berenger, who was killing it for the New England Patriots already, Michigan State punter. Stevens made 16 of 18 field goal attempts. Again, I mean, in a team that didn't score much, he was pretty much money. Add to the fact that Iowa always finds a sneaky good return man, usually a white guy, and special teams might just win a game for Iowa this season. Final take, as bad as that offense was last year, in some respects, historically bad, Iowa was still in every game but the Ohio State shellacking. Imagine what an average, or dare I say, above-average offense will mean coupled with this defense and special teams unit, especially in the putrid West. Iowa also avoids the meat of the East, so so should the gambling scandal not gut the two deep and injuries stay at bay, it's a potential 2015-type run in play in Iowa City. I'm going to go, looking at the floor and ceiling, I'm going to go with a floor of 8-4 and and a ceiling of 11-1, Hawkeye fans. Breaking down your schedule, you start with Utah State. Um, Utah State's had some blips here and there, but that's in in Iowa City. I've got that as a win. At Iowa State, I've got Iowa going on the road and getting things right in Iowa State in a game that may be a war of attrition for the gambling parties. Um, then they've got Western Michigan, who's who 
fired their coach but is and lost a lot of guys actually to the Big Ten from the transfer portal. But Western Michigan's usually decent in, in the MAC. But I've got Iowa beating Western Michigan. No slip-ups against a lesser foe this year. Then it gets tough. They go to Penn State. Um, you know, Penn State and Iowa have actually had some epic battles over the years, but I've got Iowa losing that. Maybe a little bit of a close game. Um, return home to play Michigan State. I think they pick off the Spartans at home. Then they've got Purdue at home. Another win. Go to Wisconsin, which is really probably like that pivot game for them. I've got them losing at Wisconsin. And then I've got a run on the table on the way out. Winning at home against Minnesota. Lose, or beating Northwestern at home. Smashing Rutgers, one of their easy East foes at home, beating Illinois in a little bit of a payback game from last year at home, and then paying back Nebraska as well. So do the math. That's 3-0 and out of conference, 7-2 and in the Big Ten, 10-2 and in a tie for first, not making it to the Big Ten title game because of that loss to Wisconsin, and a trip to the Reliaquest Bowl, a.k.a. Tampa Bowl, a.k.a. Outback Bowl. So, um, you know, of course, if McNamara gets hurt, all bets are off. Um, but I do think that they're going to make at least – you know, marginal improvements and gains on offense to go with a defense that really is always pretty good with Phil Parker at the helm. Um, I think Iowa is in store for a really good season. Again, put them in the East, and they're probably like a 7-5, and 8-4 team because I don't know that they can beat Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State. Uh, if they were to get to Indy, I don't think they would beat any of those three there either, but I do think by Iowa standards they'll have another solid football season. Well, I, I promise we didn't copy each other because I have the exact same thing you did. Um, great minds think alike, I guess. That's right. You looked, right. At my, you looked at my paper. Right. Um, all right. That's the previews for this week. Let's bring it to the hodgepodge slash mailbag of the week. Um, touch on some stuff real quick and then we can rip through. I'm going to give you one first. That this is not like something to necessarily talk about or whatever, but... How is this for your mind-blowing statistic of the week? Larry Fitzgerald, former stud, Arizona Cardinals receiver. We got mm-hmm. to meet him out at Kurt Warner's yep. thing when you were younger. Had more tackles than dropped passes in his NFL career. I knew career. that. That's crazy. Think about that. As a wide receiver, he had more tackles than dropped passes in a lengthy and good career. Yeah, he played for a long the Cardinals. Time. A long time. That's special. Yes, he was special. Um, news from last week that we'll touch on quick. So James Harden, everyone knows him, plays for the 76ers, requested a trade, you know, earlier this year, they're like, I want out. And they're like, nope, we're keeping you. Then he comes out today or yesterday bashing the the um, Sixers owner, calling him a liar. I want to, tra- like, I'm not showing up to trick, whatever. He, the same song and dance with this guy every time. He wants all this money. He's getting old. They're like toddlers. They plug their nose, they stomp their feet, and they, I want what I want. Like, screw the NBA. Yeah, it's stupid. Um, I don't know. If the only thing he's good for is he's played for so many damn teams, he's good in the, um, yeah, in the Immaculate grids. Grid. Right, game. right. Um, don't know if you saw this, but um, Auburn, there were some comments from their um, their first scrimmage the other day and said the quarterback battles down to two, and that two does not include Peyton Thorne, so he will be their third string quarterback. <laughs> Too bad. Fella. Yeah, I'm telling you, like more of that stuff needs to happen in the transfer portal for these people to wake the frick up. I get, he's not making more money at Auburn than he was. He was making decent NIL money at Michigan State. He might State. be making a lot of money. Like, he had a Hopcat burger and whatever. Like, I mean, it shouldn't even come down to that anyway. But, like, dude, you 
in in one fantastic season and one pretty average season, you still are a top ten quarterback in Michigan State statistical history in a lot of areas. Like you could have ridden that out for another year and probably had a pretty good season and bridge to Kate and you know Hauser. Like I, I just I don't understand. I you know unless you're like a Keon Coleman and you really don't give two shits about anybody but yourself. Like you know, Peyton Thorne was a leader. By all accounts, he was a leader, and he was well-liked, and he was well-respected. And, like, so what did you leave for? To go ride the bench somewhere when you probably would have been the starter? Oh, maybe you would have been pushed by Hauser and Kim at Michigan State. You didn't but want like, competition. You don't want competition, and there you are. You're, like, holding the jock strap, not even the clipboard. It's yeah. Freaking serves you right. Um, this came out today. This is pretty wild. So, so Michael Orr, everyone knows him from... His story in the movie Blindside. Um, so it's Michael Orr, subject of the Blindside, alleges Tui family never adopted him, cut him from film profits, and they're a bunch of liars. Yeah, I was talking to a coworker because I mentioned that, and I, I I read it. and It's pretty legit, like his stuff. But why would he come out with this? Like now, that, that movie came out in two thousand nine. Right. Yeah. It's like, twenty twenty three. That's fourteen I, years. And and the thing is, is like. I think, I again, I haven't read it, but from talking to somebody else who read it, their understanding was he probably has beef with the production company, but it's going off the, after you know the family for whatever reason. The family that, in some way, shape, or form, bailed him out. He said that they never legally adopted him and whatever. And but, but again, like to say that you signed a contract to stay quiet, and in one of the allegations, would oh, I thought I was signing my adoption papers, and it was this thing that for them to profit. That family already had money. Yeah, they were very. They rich. were wealthy, unless the movie, you know, completely no, they lied. Wealthy. They were wealthy. Like I, Tim McGraw was a hell of a good dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, what's her name? Um, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. I mean, hot mom. Like, what? What do you? What else could you, like? You know, and then you had what's her name? Uh, Phil Collins' daughter was your sister, like yeah. But seriously, I mean, this, fourteen years ago, dude. This, I'm sorry, I, and I don't, and I don't know, like right, like let this play out. The media portrays whatever it wants to portray, and they make you know. In this case, I, I'm not gonna. I, well, I'm gonna go there. I'm not gonna say this is what's going on, but let's put two and two together. The media likes for all white people, especially wealthy white people, to be considered racist. Michael Orr is a from the inner city black. You do the math, uh, whether that's the truth or not. But here's the thing is, that was 14 freaking years ago. Like, you're trying to manufacture a story. My guess is he spent all of his money because he didn't take good care of it, like a lot of those guys do. I'm not saying that it's just, you know, him that screws the pooch on his money. Like, I bet you, I bet you they could do a documentary and 90% of NFL guys piss that money away they get they get the wrong buddies in their ear and their pocket and their pain like Deontay davis was a good example he got three-year guaranteed money coming out of piss poor muskegon left michigan state way too early came back broken is probably selling drugs because his buddies were like yeah give me mine give me mine they don't have your best interest in mind and that's probably what happened with michael or and now he's thinking oh man this movie's on all the time on some channel and every time it plays there's you know, there's some money to be had, some royalties to be had. Where's mine? I want mine. I want mine. So without knowing everything, I'm going to reserve judgment because I don't trust a word that the media says anymore. Um, and they're going to jump on this for probably the reasons that I said, which is extremely sad, but is the state of America these days. So, uh, you know, hopefully they'll get that stuff figured out. But I, I'm not taking sides because I don't really know. But there's a lot of things that seem pretty easy to kind of speculate on and 
One of them is that he mismanages money, and two is that the media wants to make this a witch hunt for some reason 14 years later. I don't, don't ask me why. I don't know. Crazy. Um, Johnny Manziel doc. We watched it last week. Just so that guy's insane. Like that. I feel bad for him. Super interesting. Um, Bipolar, like yeah, explains a lot. Illness, um, sad. You know, yeah, um, just sad. Like really, really estranged his relationship with his player. parents. Yeah, yeah but, a tremendous athlete. But just goes to you show you. Watch it. Please, you should watch it. I mean, it's not like it's it's, it's only like an hour, a little over an hour. Yeah, an hour and fifteen minutes. Interesting. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, especially if you're a college football guy um, or girl, it's it's definitely worth the watch. It's it's interesting. So Ryan, catch us up on what the heck is going on with. Jim Harbaugh, because in one breath early this weekend, you're like, they're letting him out of his suspension, and then, but then there's all this smoke that, you know, really they're trying to make it harsher. I personally think the NCAA is full of absolute. No, you know, yeah, the what? NCAA's trash. They're just blowing smoke, and then oh, lo and behold, he'll be there, and they'll be like, oh yeah, we worked out a deal. Like, because the NCAA, the NCAA is ballless and toothless. They don't do what's right in either case. They don't do what's right when it's right to correct a wrong and they don't do what's right when it's right to help somebody that legitimately needs it. Like their whole transfer BS where one guy who's sick family, you know, within a hundred miles and they wouldn't grant him immediate eligibility, but then the next guy they do like, they don't know right from right. They don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. And that's what it sounds like it's going on with Harbaugh. Yeah. So it came out a Friday night or whatever, um, saying, you know, Harbaugh's case got pushed. Um, he's acting. He's suspended this year. You know, a new the new committee of infractions is going to investigate it. Whatever. Um, so he probably won't be suspended for any games this year. Whatever. And then I mean, they're playing this. They're playing Alma I mean, they're, College, the yeah, school of the, the deaf and blind, and the yeah, Helen Keller. Then they're playing East Rockford Middle School 78ers um, in their third game. It's like, what? Why does it matter? Like to to build up his win total? I, I don't. I don't get it. But. So this article came out last night from from Dan Wetzel, who's been doing a lot on on Yahoo. So it's titled, Not a Cheeseburger Comment Suggests the NCAA is hell-bent on hitting Jim Harbaugh hard. I don't Uh, buy it one bit. Okay, this is... Because they would have done it to begin with. Conspiracy theory is that that Harbaugh pushed, you know, pushed for it to be, you know, pushed off to 2024. I'll take more of a sense because he's going to jump for the NFL... Mm -hmm. And so that he he can like fall on the sword, quote unquote, and take a show cause and not come back to the college football for five years when he never once he leaves he's never coming back anyway. So right. it's a chance for the NCAA to say, hey, look at we did to him. He can't come back except for you did that to Bruce Pearl and guess what? He's back and cheating somewhere else. Give me a break. I, I trust I mean, Jim Trussell did I almost this went to work fired. for the NCAA. Jim Trussell like, did this and he got fired. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told you a couple weeks ago, it's a complete double standard. If this was Mel Tucker, if this was Brett Bielema, if this was Ryan Day, if this was Nick Saban. I mean, no, if it was Nick Saban, it wouldn't, they would let him slide too, but I don't think he would do that. But like any of these other guys, they would they would absolutely use them as an example. Absolutely. Michigan has the NCAA and the Big Ten by the short and curlies, and it's nauseating. Yeah, no. And I'm so tired of the excuse. It was just a cheeseburger. He was already even coming to Michigan. That's not the point. The point is you cheated, you lied, and you lied about the lie to cover it up. Yeah. Like, get the point, Michigan fans. I get it. It feels inconsequential to you because you're buying the media route of not all the facts and just what's convenient to share. Dig in a little bit. It's kind of like the Maisie Smith thing. Like, 
They hid that for weeks knowingly and yet threw the book or tried to throw the book at Michigan State um, for the tunnel brawl that Michigan caused. Like Michigan plays by their own rules. And that's why Michigan State fans and Ohio State fans and really Everybody. every other fans hate your freaking guts. We tolerate some of you like family, Tom, Alex, you know, Matt, Brad, Jeff, Sharon, great people, Dave, Mayor. But that's kind of two hands, and that's about all I can count of like Michigan fans that I can tolerate because you are so freaking blindly arrogant. It's it's mind numbing. Hopefully, hopefully they get what's coming to them eventually. But yeah, it's just it's garbage. I mean, it's the same song and dance that we've uh, we've seen for how how many years now? Right. (laughs) Juwan Howard gets away with it. Uh, it's ridiculous. Here's one. Um, this was from a few weeks ago, Ryan. Actually, a month ago now. Um, Fox Sports ranked the top transfers in college football since 2000. So I wanted to just go through what they said as their top 10 and see if you agree um, or think they should have been higher. Um, so in some of these, for some people who don't follow it that closely, might be a little bit of a surprise. Number 10 on their list was J.J. Watt, who was a two-star coming out of high school and went where? Central Michigan yep, as a tight Wisconsin. end and then transferred to Wisconsin. The rest is history as an NFL Hall of Famer. So I think that's pretty hard to argue with. Another Wisconsin guy, number nine, who really actually is probably the – this was before it was complete Wild Wild West. It was grad transfers could transfer without sitting out uh, before they changed the rules. But Russell Wilson at Wisconsin, I think yeah. he, he put Wisconsin on the map. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, Justin Fields, number eight, another Big Ten guy from yep. Georgia, highly touted. Um, didn't want to sit, you know, after he was he sat his first year behind Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm and decided to leave. Um, number seven, I personally think higher because if you look at it, like he did more for this team than most of these guys did in a season, except for maybe uh, Russell Wilson, Kenneth Walker. Yeah, the number seven. Uh, hard to argue with this. Number six, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, you know, runner up for stud at Alabama, then a stud at Oklahoma, now a in a Super Bowl champion no, or no Super Bowl runner up. Sorry, number five, Cam Newton started at Florida, went to junior college. Yeah. He had all kinds of a mess, but they won the national championship at Auburn. Number four, Caleb Williams, USC. I, I think he's a little high yet because while USC's better, he hasn't gotten them to the even Maybe the playoff. Heisman, but. Yeah, but he didn't get him to the playoff or anything, so I don't. I don't think four is a little high for him. Kyler Murray, Oklahoma, um, originally t- uh, committed to Texas A and M, um, then was a stud at Oklahoma for sure. Speaking of somebody who backed up Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma after Texas Tech, number yeah, two stud, another one, um, and then number one Joe Burrow, yeah, sat at Ohio State. Best. Arguably the best single season in NCAA history for right. a quarterback. Yeah, um, I just thought that was an interesting one. I mean, yeah, that's a good. A I, I of, saw that too. It was a good article. A lot of good names in there. Um, all right, one other thing, and I don't, I'm not going to hit it in depth, but we talked a little bit obviously last week about the train or the um, conference redo. So, in terms of any new news, the ACC voted Stanford and Cal no for ACC expansion. Which is a pretty bold stance because that means the ACC stands pat and they still have two to three pissed off teams that want out. Yeah. Florida State, Clemson, and Miami. Now, I get it. On one hand, you know, I think there isn't there um, 
their commissioner, the old Northwestern athletic director? Yeah, Phillips. Phillips. I, I on one hand I get it. Like the members are saying no, and I can't remember. Do you remember who voted no? It was like Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina. Okay, there you go. The teams that voted no are because they have probably one of the weaker, except for the former Pac-10, you know, TV deals, and it goes through like twenty thirty four. And I mean, like, let's face it, the Big Twelve has more marketable TV games, you know, third to the Big Ten and the and the SEC. Um, so I, but I, so I kind of get not wanting to share that, and maybe not feeling that they can restructure that deal. But here's the thing: is if you don't take those to bolster yourself, in Florida State, my guess is probably next one out. I think they go, and then I think Clemson or Miami goes with them to the SEC. The ACC is going to crumble because those are the linchpins. Football is what holds every conference together, right? Like ACC is more known for basketball, arguably, blah, blah, blah. If those two or three schools go, the ACC is dead. And I get it. Cal and Stanford aren't going to give you back like that measure, that caliber. But basically they're saying we're gambling on keeping these other teams or they're going to cease to exist. And if they cease to exist, we are still heading for – two conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, because I think the Big 12 will dissolve into both and some somehow it'll work out. Maybe three conferences will exist. I, you know, In fact, maybe it would exist and it would be worth looking up this. What I wanted to do is last week I didn't have my piece of paper with me. So last June or whatever, I did like homework and I came up with, I thought it was two 48-team leagues. It was actually two 24-team leagues. A 24-team SEC with six, four six-team conference or you know divisions and the same for the Big Ten. A 2014 Big Ten with four six-team divisions. I had to, you know, play everybody in your division, play a protected cross-conference rival, play three teams in conference, play three teams from the other. So Big Ten would play SEC, vice versa. 12 games, 16 max. Use the 11 bowls to get to your playoff teams. 12 playoff teams. I did all the math. I put teams in places, did all the homework, and then what I had was the other roughly 81 teams um, going into this new, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, if the new thing is just football playoff, the CFP, and then this becomes the new Division One, then you have like the Big Twelve, the ACC, the AAC, whatever they stay there, and a lot of these middling teams play for their own national championship. I think you know I certainly had some teams that didn't make the cut for that Big Forty Eight. Um, I think if I had to relook at it, I may go to more like a Big Sixty Four and add another, or a Big 72, and add another 24-team conference, say the Big 12, probably still wouldn't adjust too much, but I still maintain the same thing. I know Chris and I talked a little bit about this back and forth over the last few weeks. Minus some of the names that I would have dropped into kind of that also ran, you know, Division One, AA, or whatever you want to call it, I might move some of those teams back into this kind of the Big 3, Big 72, and then take the other 50-some teams and make them their kind of their own thing or, you know, absorb with the FCS and figure it out in their own playoff. I don't know, but all I know is the ACC making that bold move either is they're betting on Florida State staying, and if Florida State goes, ACC goes. Yeah, can see that. Um, you want to do a quick anything? Yeah, anything else? Mailbag, hodgepodge? No, I got nothing. All right. A quick word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders Realty will help you find the home that best fits your needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. 
All right. We started the bracket thing a couple weeks ago. We did quarterbacks. We did wide receivers. And we did running backs and wide receivers slash tight ends. This week we're going to do defense. I'll give you a heads up, Ryan. Next week we're going to do coaches. And then, I don't know. We might need a, we not, might not need a bracket category once the season starts. Yeah, we can do something. I, Cause, I, cause, I have some, do, I'm working on some research I can send you. Okay, cool. All right, so this is based on last year's rankings, primarily scoring defense, although you, you can kind of put two and two together, that if you're really, really good in scoring defense, you probably have at least one, one and a half parts of your defense that are among the top couple in the conference. So this is based on last year's ranks for seed. So it doesn't take into play necessarily changes. Ryan obviously has done homework on six out of seven teams in the East. I've done it so far on six out of seven teams in the West. So we know enough. Um, so we're going to go with it. So first you got your number 12 seed Northwestern against 13 seed Rutgers. Um, Northwestern. Yeah. I mean, they've got this new defensive coordinator. He's supposedly good. He's supposedly good. I'm going to, he's their new head coach. Or I don't even know coach, so I'm gonna, So I'm going to go with him. Um, Northwestern really doesn't have much of anything on their roster to be, to be honest, but we'll go with that. 11 seed Nebraska against 14 seed Indiana. Uh, Nebraska, they got that guy Satterfield from uh, from South Carolina is a pretty good offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean Indiana's dog meat across I, the I board. I couldn't tell you who their coordinator. Then here's here's the team that I, probably low for this year, but from last year, number five Penn State. We have them facing both facing off against Northwestern. Penn State. Yeah. yeah. Penn State, not even close. Good, they, they, good defensive they are, coordinator. They're good. Um, good blitzing team, too. Then you've got number six, Wisconsin. So kind of uncharacteristically eh for them last year against uh, Nebraska. Um, Wisconsin, they got, what's his name now? Phil Longo's their new offensive coordinator. Then uh, Trestle's the D.C. Yeah, that's right, from former Michigan State coach. Yeah. Yeah, I I I, uh, I would agree. I would go with Wisconsin as well. Um, then you got again another, eh, and we knew it though. Seven Ohio State, ten Purdue. Ten Purdue kind of struck me because they actually had some pretty talented guys that they lost, but um, they gave up a lot of points last year. So uh, Ohio State. Yeah, I'm gonna go Ohio State as well. So so far chalk. Number eight Maryland against number nine Michigan State. I, I hate to say it, but it's probably Maryland. <laughs> See, I I think with what I'm by a little bit of the hype, but with what Michigan State's got coming in, I think defense could be the strength for Michigan State this year. I don't going, believe in Scotty Hazelton at all. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of the four two five. There's no doubt about that. Like take your personnel and and don't fit them to your scheme. Fit the scheme to your personnel is my and it's hard to recruit a bunch of Darius Snows because they just don't exist. Right. So uh last year's number one overall defense then Illinois against number eight seed for you, uh, Maryland. Illinois lost their defensive coordinator from last year. I mean, Purdue. It's Henry now, right? I, mm-hmm. I gotta go with Maryland. I, I don't think Illinois is gonna be on the upside. Yeah. And I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Illinois over Michigan State. because um, I did their preview and I know that they they did lose quite a bit. They lost a fourth or fifth pick in the draft, but they're they're gonna be solid. Bielema just he founds it on defense, so they're gonna be good. Uh, number four, Michigan against, mm, we both had them against number f- five seed, Penn State. Penn State. 
Yep, I'm going to go with that too. I think Penn State is sneaky good this year. Number three, Minnesota. I did them last week. Um, they lost some decent guys, but they have a really good defense back. They're yep, horrible pretty. rushing the quarterback. but um, And we both have them playing against Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin. You're going to go with Wisconsin. Bongo's really good. Yeah, Wisconsin just has a propensity and a knack, so I'm going to go with that too. A little upset there. And then uh, Iowa against uh, Ohio State. Uh, Iowa. Yeah, I just did Iowa, and even Parker, though I Parker is yeah, I noticed I noted all He's those guys they lost that were really good. They're better than Ohio State, no yeah. question about it. And then, um, so you've got five, six, two, eight. So you have got Penn State against Wisconsin. I'm going Wisconsin. I'm going Penn State, and then you've got. Uh, who was your two? Iowa. And Iowa and Maryland. Iowa. And then I've got Iowa and Illinois. I'm going to go Iowa. And then you've got... I'm going Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So you've got Wisconsin as your best defense, and I'm going with Iowa as the best defense. So I think this is one of the first times that we've we've varied, actually. I think Wisconsin's defense is very underrated. I mean, they might need it. as I mean, they've got a good, you know... We'll find out more about Wisconsin next week, but they've got a good quarterback coming in, and but they've been kind of struggling, and they're supposedly changing their offense with air raid. How with what you've got in the cupboard? I'm not really sure. I'm not a huge fan of that, but whatever, whatever floats your boat, Badgers. Yep, we'll take it. All right, golf time. Fourth down, golf time. I, I Lucas Glover, I got a back. Wear some back. wear some oven mitts. The man's on fire. Well, and he kept putting his hands in the ice yesterday. Yeah, good you know. for him, man. Uh, yeah, first person over 40 to win back-to-back tournaments since Vijay Singh. Um, I saw some other crazy stat about over 40 and whatever, but like he literally, if you watch, was putting his hands in the coolers, and the dude doesn't play with a glove. He claims he'd be a 10 handicap with a glove. So in that sweat box, it was like 105 degrees with the feels like temperature and high humidity in Memphis. And I mean, minus like this, he kind of hooked on 17 and had to save a par there. Um, like he hit two money drives on 18, which is a brutal finishing hole for those guys. Right. Um, and, you know, guys cut off too much of the water. They hit a little bit of a hook. They, you know, or they put away right because they block it. And it's it's just a hard hole. And, I mean, impressive. He's had, he had one three-putt in the last eight rounds of golf. That is He's rolling the un- ball unbelievable. One three-putt, guys, in eight rounds of golf. Like, even the pros, that's, I mean, and he made, I think it was yesterday, the stat ended up being four. And almost was more than that. He was really close on a couple, but four putts over ten feet, three to say par, one to say bogey, and every single one of them mattered. And then he he ended up playing in that playoff against let's call him playoff Patrick at going into yeah, yesterday's playoff. Patrick yeah. Cantlay had won three out of the last five FedEx Cup events, three out of five, and he still won three out of six. And he's got to be a favorite for Chicago this week and at the BMW this week. Like he just. Like him, don't like him. He's pretty unflappable. He's emotionless. He makes big putts. He doesn't make very many mistakes. And he just was steady, steady, steady. I think he was like six under yesterday. His only bogey of the day was in the first playoff hole. That's pretty crazy. remarkable. 
Yeah, he played really well. Rory played well. It was it was really interesting. I love how CBS especially does with the, like live by the minute where yeah, they stand. change of the and the, a couple guys that just needed to go in like and they probably knew at least generally knew what they needed, but a couple of guys that needed like a par or a birdie on the last hole to make the playoff, and both of them made bogeys. They yeah, finished like fifty one or fifty seven. Nick Hardy crying after on it. Yeah, because it if again, if you don't money. watch and you don't follow, it's the money. But it's also if you it's made it into events. the top fifty, you're you're exempt for the you're in the top like the eight whatever they yeah, call the them elevated events, events. The elevated events next year. So you can still play your way into those events, but like. It's going to be harder. By bogey in the last hole, now you got to work harder for it, right? Like, instead of just having it there. Um, you know, so think about that. If you're having a crappy season and you can get into an elevated event automatically and give yourself a chance on a week, now you got to fight your way in. So, um, look, those guys are good golfers and it'll be fine. But uh, just, it was an interesting, I love that course, actually. It was interesting yeah, watching cool Spieth played really well. Hovland had his flashes. Fleetwood well. so close. What would you say today, Ryan? He's won... He's the most first player to twenty million dollars without a win, right? And he's something like twenty. He was a runner up five. here because he ended up tied for third. Twenty two top five. Sorry, but twenty two top. Well, and he has something like twenty. It's like twenty three. The most runner up since nineteen eighty three, I think, is the stat that I saw without a win. Ridiculous, unbelievable. Like he. And the thing is, is talk about a guy like the guys that missed and bogeyed in the last hole that don't make the cut. You know, he missed like a couple less than seven footers early on that if he makes those, he wins. I mean, of course, later in the round, he made some really tough 40 footers. So it's right. Golf is, you can't say shoulda, coulda, woulda, because that stuff does have a tendency to balance itself out. But I like Fleetwood. I hope that he can kind of, he can find that mojo because he's kind of like a female, right? Like took a while for him to break through. And then when he broke through, he really broke through. That's what I'd like to see with Fleetwood because I think he's a likable dude. Yeah. No, he definitely is. I'd like to see him get a win. But I saw the stat earlier. Glover in last year made $1.94 million in 2022. In the last eight days, he's made $4.96 million. Wow. That's crazy. And, I mean, he's guaranteed. I don't know what his position is, but I would imagine. Third in the FedEx Cup. Okay, so he's guaranteed to make it to Atlanta. Yeah, basically, unless he. And those guys, like I, I think those guys don't make less than like $2 million. Right? Yeah. No, he's going to make even, a, like a dead last. It's like two possibly playing his way into a Ryder Cup situation. Yeah. I, if he comes goes out next week and finishes in the top ten, and he plays well at the Fed at the in the championship, he might be going to Rome. I, th- I think <laughs> he's he's easy to root for, right? Like he just he he just seems like an average dude. Like you know the way he was with his kids the week before. You know he took just the time dead. to applaud like the St. Jude. You know, pin caddies where they kind of celebrate the the kid, the St. Jude kids as part of the FedEx event there in Memphis. Um, yeah, like he just he's kind of he's just slow and steady, and he has his head screwed on straight. He's actually a fast player too, which is a way to my heart is to play quick. Um, you know, he doesn't sit over his putts forever. Like once he gets that putt red, I mean, sometimes you're waiting for it because a lot of these guys wait to pull the trigger. He pulls the trigger. I love it. Love yeah, it. I like it too. And he's only plus thirty five hundred this weekend because I don't think the odds makers think he can win three in a row. Right. Well, that takes us to I guess our. How uh, did we do last week? You, uh, sir, were really good. Um, you had home on Rory, and they're both top ten. You got nine combined. I had Hovland, who played pretty well, and English, who was awful, sixty five combined. Brings us to the top 
The last 50, we're going to Olympia Fields. Last time I was there, Rom beat uh, Johnson in a... Uh, oh, I remember that. that those crazy epic putts, those yeah, back-to-back putts. Yeah, that putt was crazy. To win. And the winning score was four under par. Yeah, that course, that place top. Tough, Jim, Jim the US Open. won the U.S. Open there. Yeah. Well, takes us to the picks here. Fleetwood for me. And playoff Pat. Yeah, I got playoff Pat as well. And I got Rory because Rory's been playing really well since the Scottish Open. Um, and he was right there. And, and he actually made some good putts yesterday too. I think he bogeyed. Like Did he bogey the last hole? No, he birdied the last hole. Who, Rory? Rory. He, he birdied, birdied the last birdie. Yeah, he birdied the last hole after he kind of had a little bit of a limp and di- disappointing. So he was just, but he was top five, I think, right? So, yep. yep so I'm going to yeah, go he was Rory second or like. third, whatever, T3. Um, yeah, anything else golf-wise? I don't think I do. Uh, here's one from Mitch because we got to try to pick one off of Mitch's list every week. Maybe this requires a little bit of thought. So he asks, who is the most dangerous version of a pro golfer? Think Ryder Cup Ian Poulter or resort course Tony Finau. We got one for you. Playoff Pat. Yeah, playoff Pat I mean, might be up there. He's dangerous. Resort himself. Tony is, I mean, that's a good one. Um, you know, Major Tiger. Or Brooks. Major yeah, Brooks. Major Brooks. Um, or not even major Brooks, U.S. Open or PGA Brooks, because those are the ones that he the, wins. Where, where did Tiger win all the time? Where has he won a ton? He pretty even across the he's board. He's won a ton at Arnie's place. Um, yeah, it's true. I'm trying to think, um, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, Ryder Cup Ian Poulter is really good. Um, Augusta Phil, um, Vegas Phil, yeah, Vegas Phil, right. Dang, that's a good question. Any lefty, uh, Augusta. Yeah, seriously. Weir, Bubba, Phil. Phil. Yeah, seriously. Sorry, as Harmon isn't one there. Um, right. Maybe he's next. He could be next. Good mm-hmm. question, Mitch. Like it, like it. You know golf probably better than we do to to know all those int- intimate details. But I would say that's it's a pretty good question. Those are the or like the who's who's a guy that stomps on the easy courses. That's kind of like the resort courses, but yeah, it's like Fino, yeah, or no Te- name, no name easy courses. Texas Spieth, yep, yeah, or Scotty, yeah, both unbelievable. Um, who else is a really good? I'm trying to think of a really good Lynx player. Um, Runner-up U.S. Open, Phil. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good Lynx players out there, or you know, a lot of decent Lynx players that consistently. You know, kind of run up there. Actually, Spieth is one of them. He's really good on the links. Yeah, because of the Texas golf. What I feel like someone plays really well. John Rahm always plays really well at Tory for some reason. Yeah, that's true. He always tears Torrey, that John place Rahm, apart. Yeah. yeah. Um, Phil always plays well at um. Always played well at Pebble because his wasn't his grandfather a caddy there or something. I have, I don't I think, remember that, but yeah, it could be. Could I be. don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I don't know if I have an answer for that. Oh, we just gave a bunch. Yeah, not a definitive answer, but... All right, do you have anything else, or nope. are you good? All Except right. for me. We'll sprint at home. Um, Big Ten football coach with the most to prove in 2023. Hmm, well, precursor to the bracket for next year. I mean... Y- 
new guys are kind of off the hook. They kind of inherently have something new to prove or big to prove because they're new. And it's like, why did we, you know, you're going to be the savior or whatever. Um, boy, I, it's hard to say not Mel Tucker, to be honest, but we're a little biased with that, obviously. Um, you know, maybe James Franklin. Yeah, I think Aside he's got a lot. I'm, I'm going with Mel. I think he's got the most to prove. I can tell you the coordinator that is the most to prove is Brian Ferentz. Yeah, no kidding. If he hasn't reached at 25 points a game, he's he's gone. Yeah. His ass is grass. Well, as long as his dad's there, maybe not. But uh, Nepotism at its finest. Um, best comedic actor of the 90s and 2000s. Oh, man. So many. Adam Sandler, Chris Farley. Will Ferrell, all with one commonality. Saturday, Saturday Night Live. Live. Dating back to Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, all those guys too. Um, SNL's the place to be. Eddie Murray, or Eddie, Eddie Murray, not the first baseman for the Orioles, Eddie Murphy. Uh, I gotta go with Will Ferrell. I mean, like, he gets close with Adam Sandler, honestly, but like, I just have never, I don't know that I can name, I'm sure there's some Will Ferrell movie that I don't like, but. I put him. He's also. I, I had a toss up. I, Will Ferrell, Ferrell or Adam Sandler? I, yeah. oh, I, I. Adam Sandler is in. It does makes good movies, and he's in. Like he directs good movies. Yeah, too. he's good. Yeah, I'll just if he's I pick talent. one, I'll say Will Ferrell. But Adam Sandler is a close second. Close. I think. All right. Um, can a golf course have too much water? Uh, because Memphis had eleven holes. Yes. I mean. Look, if it's if it's like natural, no. If it's just there to piss you off, yes. But I, right. I can't think of any place that we play that has that much no. water. I mean, look, that's part of that course in Memphis, and and it's not an overly. I don't. I mean, they make it a longer course for those guys, but it's not. That's not an overly long course. They had a five hundred eleven yard par five on it, right? But the water makes you makes things tighter, and it makes you have to make plays and on those par threes and stuff. No, I don't think so. I don't think a course can have too much water. No, I agree. I don't think it's not when you have your ball retriever in the bag. No, exactly. It's a beautiful thing. Best purchase I never made. Uh, <laughs> Thank phone, you, Wallenwood Springs. Wallenwood's an idiot left it there, and I've used it for the last three years. It's hanging on by a thread, but we'll take it. All right, last one. I thought of this on the way. Who would ever admit to buying one of those? I mean, I don't even know what they'd cost. I would never buy one. I mean, now I would, I guess, because I really enjoy using it. It's fun to just go fish balls out, but um, thought of this on the way to the gym as it was absolutely just downpouring. Would you rather drive through a just torrential rainstorm or a snowstorm? Oh man, I've done both, and it's really hard to see in both. Like it was raining that hard up for me on my way home from work today. Honestly, um, I I feel like you have more control in the rain than you do the snow because. You can still see something. I'm going to go, I'd rather drive through the rainstorm. Yeah, me too. Snow is, it's... Plus it, it's slippery and... It's, right, it's, like you can... Swirls hydro, and You can hydroplane on, on rain, on yeah, rain sure. but snow... Because the trucks just you blow past you right, and you swirls like a tornado. There might be black ice yeah. underneath the yeah. snow. It's hard. I hate yeah, I I'd hate rather have snow. torrential rain and just throw my flashers on and go slow. My car that I have now is an absolute beast in the snow now. It's a lot better than my other car was, but still, it's scary. Um, yeah, definitely. 
All right, that's 135. You believe that? 135. 135 wow. Next week we'll we'll do the real team, the best team. I'm just kidding. Um, well, our favorite team, Michigan State. Be a, probably a little longer preview for that one for me. Um, and then we'll we'll make some picks for week zero. Do some spreads maybe. That's right. We're already to that part. That's of the crazy. It's crazy. Crazy. I love to think it. Of. And then we'll have the last round of uh, playoffs for the. Uh, PGA Tour, and then a little break, and then Ryder Cup next late next month over in Rome. It'll be fun, um, but we're close to full time football. I'm excited for it. Meantime, as Lou Holtz once said, motivation is simple. You eliminate those who are not motivated. <laughs>